Today on The Faction, we're talking TKO, where's Jade Cargill going, and the latest with the PWI 500. All of this and more on today's episode of The Faction. What's going on, family? Good day, and welcome to another edition of The Faction. I am your man, Gerard Bonner. They call me GB around these parts, and it is fantastic for us to be back together. So I know it's been a while, and so I want to go ahead in the interest of full disclosure and tell you some of what's been going on and why we haven't had a show. I have literally been in the process of moving Yes, moving. Now, I'm still in Atlanta, so don't worry about that piece, but moving has been interesting because, you know, we've had a lot of moving parts, literally in between two places and all those kinds of things. And so, you know, my time has been kind of limited in the new studio space. So if you've been watching some of the other spaces that I've been appearing in terms of live podcasts with WWT Live and Russell Extra, You know, it's literally coming in to do that and then trying to finish up other things with the move. But with that said, we're almost done. So we'll be able to get back into a regular schedule. But I said I absolutely positively have to get in on all that's been going on in this space. So you may have heard me in some other spaces, have some conversations about things that have been going on. So shout out to those of you who follow us on WWT Live with Women's Wrestling Talk. Shout out to those of you who are following us in spaces like Wrestle Extra with my good UK brothers, Black Wrestling Alliance, aka A Dazzle, and of course, Mex from WrestleManiac.uk. And then if you're following on the commentary journey, thank you so much. In case you have not heard, in addition to Southern Honor and Battle Slam and the Nightmare Factory, just began working with another promotion called IWE, Intense Wrestling Entertainment. IWE actually won for promotion of the year in 2022 here in the state of Georgia, and I am honored to serve as commentary for that organization. And you can check out that work as well on IWTV. Now that all that's out of the way and you understand what's been going on, hi, it's good to be with you guys again. I absolutely love and appreciate it. Make sure you're following us at The Faction Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. For those who have been responding to our video content, thank you so much. It is wildly appreciated. And then on top of that, when we take a look at important things like subscriptions to this podcast, thank you for rocking with us as well. If you're not subscribed, hit the subscribe button and let's get it in. So there's a lot to get into and we're going to do that right now. All right, so let's get into some of the big news. And this week has been filled with a lot of news. Now, I've not had a chance to kind of talk about a lot of the things that have been going on over the last couple of weeks. It'll be really hard to get all of that in here right now. We might come back to some of it at some point. But I want to hit some of the really big things that have happened this week. One of the biggest pieces of news is the formation of the group TKO. 
Now, I like having this space because in this space, we can really deep dive into certain things and talk about some really important things. So here's one of the important things I want to talk about with this TKO situation. This is not a merger between the UFC and WWE. I know you've seen headlines that use the word merger. I know you've probably used the word merger, but it's not a merger. And let me explain what a merger is and what this actually is. So a merger is when literally two organizations combine into one. I'll give you a great example of that. So I used to work with an organization that contracted with Verizon. And I was there when the merger happened. And that particular merger was a merger of Bell Atlantic and GTE. So what happened is when Bell Atlantic and GTE came together, they formed the new company Verizon and Bell Atlantic and GTE as brands went away. Okay, it's almost like when you get married, you know, and you tend to take on one last name instead of two, though there are some spaces that don't do that. But in a merger, what ends up happening is these two organizations come together. Same thing happened when Sprint and Nextel joined forces and other organizations. Right. So that is a merger. What we're looking at is two brands that have actually come together under a parent company. So that's more along the lines of how you have Viacom, who has multiple brands under it, like the Country Music Channel, BET, and several other brands. Those brands are separate and distinct brands, but they all roll under the parent company of Viacom, or now Paramount, right? So what we're looking at with UFC and WWE is a partnership, right? And well, partnership's even really the wrong word. It's two brands that have come under the acquisition of Endeavor. And Endeavor has taken those two brands and allowed them to be under a new company called TKO, okay? So that's the idea of what's happening here. UFC and WWE are two very different brands. Yes, they both deal with combat sports, but on different levels. WWE is certainly looking more at the sport and entertainment. MMA is certainly looking strong at the fight aspect, right? Not much entertainment involved. Two very different brands, very different organizations, but under the same heading and under the same roof, create some real opportunities for both brands. Now, in case you're wondering, what happened on Tuesday was the official rollout of TKO at the New York Stock Exchange. And you saw many of the pictures and videos of them actually ringing the bell to start the day at the New York Stock Exchange. Shout out, by the way, to Bianca Belair and Montez Ford, the only wrestlers from WWE involved at this moment, which it's pretty significant when you consider that neither of them hold championship gold. None of your world champions were there. None of your women's champions were there. Very intriguing, to say the least. I think it says an awful lot about what the company thinks of Bianca Belair and Montez Ford. Now, in case you didn't know, how does all of this really impact day-to-day? -day? So again, as we mentioned, if this were a merger then WWE and UFC would have one president, right? But that's not what's happening. 
UFC maintains Dana White as its president and CEO. WWE maintains Nick Khan as its president and CEO. What's different is Vince McMahon now moves into the role of executive chairman of TKO, which happens to be, again, the parent company of UFC and WWE. I know this is kind of businessy, but it's important that we understand so that we're not using the wrong terminology when it comes to this. Now, Ari Emanuel, who is the CEO of Endeavor, also serves as the CEO of TKO, which I think is important to note. Now, where this is also pretty powerful, I believe, is that for WWE, their media rights are up for discussion, meaning their current deals with Fox and NBC Universal ends in 2024, basically a year from now. And already talks are open for these media rights. Where this new situation with TKO works out really, really well is Endeavor, who is the parent company of TKO, has had plenty of experience in really doing great, great things when it comes to media rights conversations. So this is really exciting for the potential for where WWE could go, what they could gain from all of this and the like. So here's something else you should know that. A few WWE executives actually received bonus cash payments once this sale finally went through. That included Nick Khan, who received $15 million. Executive producer Kevin Dunn received $7 million. Triple H, who is the chief content officer, received $5 million. And the CFO, Frank Riddick, also received $5 million. Now, one of the things that I can tell you, which is an unfortunate moment that happens, though, with these kinds of acquisitions, is already there have been some losses on the WWE side. One of the things that happened on Thursday was that WWE CEO Nick Khan sent an email to his employees and said, hey, you guys are free to work from home tomorrow since there will be some layoffs. And there were. Now, we don't know all of the names of people who have been laid off. It's rumored to be somewhere between 30 to 40 people. We do understand that they are not wrestlers or active on-screen personalities at this particular point. We will keep you posted on names and positions as those become available. But I do want to get your thoughts on what all of this could mean in terms of TKO as a new company. It's also interesting to note that this marks the first time ever that Vince McMahon is not the majority owner of WWE. He right now has about 16% voting power in terms of WWE. In terms of the stockholders, the WWE stockholders are at 49% ownership and then Endeavor is at 51%. So that's what's happening with TKO. Let's also get into this other massive conversation that has happened surrounding Jade Cargill. So Jade Cargill made a shocking return to AEW this past Saturday as part of Collision, shocked the world as she went after Chris Statlander. Many of us were kind of confused by the move. I know I was. It felt like if she's going to come back, she comes back into the world title picture. And then she ends up challenging for the TBS championship on Rampage. Hmm. What's up with that? Well, when we come back, we'll tell you what happened with that and address these rumors surrounding Jade Cargill. This is the Stroke Daddy Ricky Starks, and you know I only do it one way, and that's big. 
You're not listening to The Faction. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. So what are you doing? Well, you know, I gotta plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm gonna start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were gonna start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But then I started to see all the things that he was doing. They were starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perception's reality. How did we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me, if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people. I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. How about that? The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here. A few minutes later, it was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year's going to be mine. COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it would read as a book, and Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a win. Are you ready? Yes! Hey guys, before we hop back into the podcast, I want to let you know that you have the opportunity to wear the merch of hopefully your favorite commentator. That's right, I have merch available representing us here at The Faction and representing my journey. Lego. You've likely heard about my journey into pro wrestling, and if you haven't, I can sum it up in a couple of words. Uh-oh. It took me five seconds of courage to bet on me. So we've got great merch out there allowing you to tell the world about five seconds of courage and betting on you. You can check out that merch right now at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Bonnerfied. Again, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Bonnerfied. Check out this new merch representing yours truly in the world of pro wrestling. Bet on you. Five seconds of courage. ProWrestlingTees.com slash Bonnerfied. Attention wrestling fans, come celebrate our 5th anniversary Friday, October 6th as Southern Honor Wrestling presents Still Here 5. The Southern Honor Championship will be on the line as Judas defends his title against the 2023 Rumble Jack winner, David Ali. Hierarchy puts their SHW tag team titles up for grabs in a triple threat tag team match. The Jake the Snake Legacy Championship will be defended as Chip Day takes on five other competitors in a six-man challenge. Also on the line, Kenzie Page defends her NWA World Women's Championship against 
Defense Danny Jordan and the Atrocity Cruel defends his IWTV Independent Wrestling World Championship against Cyrus the Destroyer. Plus, be sure to arrive early for a special meet and greet with three-time WCW World Heavyweight Champion and WWE Hall of Famer Diamond Dallas Page. Tickets start at just $15 and go on sale at the Action Building the night of the show beginning at 5 p.m. Doors open at 7, bell time at 8. As always, kids sit in under are free. Come witness firsthand why we are SHW and this is our wrestling. This is a total package, Lex Luger, and you are turned into the faction. So Jade Cargill returns to AEW seemingly only to leave as she had her match with Chris Statlander, the TBS champion on Rampage this week, lost that match. And the footage that has been out there, according to fans, and we've had a chance to take a look at it, sees Jade Cargill embrace Chris Statlander at the end of the match. Definitely all of the vibes of a goodbye and a send-off kind of moment. So there have been some questions in terms of where does Jade Cargo go? What does she do from here? There have been rumors coming out. Uh, Sean Ross Sapp posted that it is believed within both AEW and WWE that Jade Cargill is headed to the WWE. Meanwhile, there are others who are reporting that Jade Cargill may be leaving pro wrestling altogether as she has stated to her AEW colleagues that she will be focusing on her minor league baseball team in Texas. So a couple of things I want to address. For one, I just want to remind people, if you are leaving your job and going to a new job, it's usually customary that you don't publicly let people know where you're going, specifically if the company that you're going to is a direct rival to the company with which you currently work. That's just good business etiquette, right? So I would imagine that Jade Cargill would not tell the world that she's headed to the WWE. So there's that. Now, how would I debut Jade Cargill if indeed she is coming to the WWE? Well, before we get to that, I want to remind you that her contract it is believed ends potentially in November, which is just a couple of months from now. Now, that is just based on when she made her television debut for AEW back in 2020. So that means that the contract actually could have been earlier. We're not exactly sure. But whenever that contract is up, it looks like at earliest, possibly November. So we're not sure when we would see her. But if I'm booking this, I'm doing it like this. I am sending Jade Cargill either to the PC or the Nightmare Factory, though she's already familiar with the Nightmare Factory. I'm sending her to the PC in the wee hours of the morning. She works out, I would say, between 2 and 5 a.m. before any paparazzi can get up and take pictures, before any other wrestlers who are training would be there. And if that's too public, I send her to Natalia's Garage and let her train there in the same space as Edge and several others have trained discreetly, quietly, so that nobody knows, and then she makes her debut at the Royal Rumble. That's just what the Book of Gerard would do, right? I'm not sure, though, what will actually happen. Now, I do want to address one of our listeners who I said I would address. That would be Mark Graham, who I'm sure will appreciate me mentioning his name. He put up a post recently on Facebook where he said, Jade, please don't sign with the WWE. So I wanted to hop on here to address any of those particular concerns. I will go so far as to say this. 
Jade Cargill signing with the WWE is the best move that she could make. So for those who don't know, when Mark Henry originally discussed the world of pro wrestling with Jade Cargill, WWE was initially the plan. But at that time, there were some things that they were asking of Jade Cargill that Jade Cargill just really wasn't all that interested in doing. And at the time, it seemed as though the star power for WWE wasn't there. AEW signs, and away we go. Well, if we haven't learned anything over the last 10 years, hopefully we will have learned how sometimes you end up having to go outside of WWE, bet on yourself, and yes, that merch is available on ProWrestlingTees.com slash Bonafide. Go grab you a shirt today. And after you bet on yourself, your worth and your stock increases. And as it increases, it makes you more valuable to a place like the WWE. Q Drew McIntyre, Q Cody Rhodes, and several others who have left the WWE and come back in a far more visible and viable place. So with that said, to me, it only makes sense that Jade Cargill finds her way to WWE. She has star power written all over her. She is the female face of all things AEW. No questions asked. And the things that the WWE could do for Jade Cargill are amazing. And I want to remind everyone that your chief content officer in the WWE is a guy named Triple H who loves women's wrestling, who could do an awful lot there with Jade Cargill. And if she goes to NXT, she's under the watchful eye of one Shawn Michaels. Yeah, there's no question to me this is the right move for her because it was clear that she was not going to find herself in the AEW women's world title picture. But on top of that, working in the WWE will give Jade Cargill the opportunity to really improve her in-ring skills. Not saying that they're bad, but you only get better at pro wrestling by wrestling more often. And the kind of schedule that the WWE has, be it house shows or the Performance Center, it will give her plenty of opportunity to utilize and improve her craft. So by all means, Jade Cargill going to the WWE is a massive win for everybody involved now i want to get your thoughts do you think jade cargill should come to the wwe and what should happen with her when she gets here let us know your thoughts on the socials at the faction show a couple of other moves since we're talking about women in pro wrestling nia Jax is back in the wwe she made her return this past monday on monday night raw and it looks like she could be going after the women's world champion in rhea ripley this is good i'm really looking forward to seeing what this is going to do and speaking of that congratulations to gunther now the longest reigning intercontinental champion of all time, last week defeating Chad Gable to officially move into that space. Did a pretty cool video on that that you guys can check out either on my socials or on the faction's socials as well. Congratulations to Becky Lynch, the new NXT Women's Champion. She defeated Tiffany Stratton this past Tuesday night to win that championship in a very bold move. And it's interesting to note that Becky Lynch Dominic Mysterio, two quote-unquote main roster stars, hold NXT gold. And now it causes us to again have the conversation, is NXT developmental? Is NXT the third brand? Is NXT a hybrid 
What are your thoughts? Let us know on the socials. Last but not least, we want to talk about an important list that just dropped. It's called the PWI 500. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the PWI 500, it is a list put together by our friends at Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And in this list, they look at a time period a year long for these wrestlers to determine who's who in the zoo. Now, this particular list is for the male wrestlers. The female wrestlers will be a part of the PWI 250. It has been expanded from 150 wrestlers to 250 wrestlers. So here are the criteria. Now, the PWI has been around since 1991. The evaluation period this year is July the 1st, 2022 to July 31st, 2023. Primary criteria includes in-ring achievement, influence, technical ability, competition, and activity. And that activity requires a minimum of 10 singles matches in totals or six such matches in separate months. Now, what's also interesting in this is there are women who are included in this PWI 500. Those women are women who have regularly participated in intergender matches. So if you're worried about not seeing a Bianca Belair, a Jade Cargill, a Charlotte Flair, or Becky Lynch in this list, it's because they don't have intergender matches. You will see them involved in the PWI 250. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to run through the top 10 for this list, and then we'll talk about some notable names. And then if you have questions about any specific wrestlers, of course, you can funnel those to us on our socials. So here's a look at the top 10 wrestlers for 2023 for the PWI 500. At number 10, it's Cody Rhodes. Number nine is Josh Alexander, the longest reigning Impact World Heavyweight Champion. At number eight, it's the longest reigning AEW International Champion, Orange Cassidy. Number seven, it's the great Kazuchika Okada. At number six, it's the current AEW World Champion and one half of the Ring of Honor Tag Champions, that is MJF. At number five, it's El Hijo del Vikingo. Number four, it's the longest reigning intercontinental champion, Gunther. And then the top three is all about the shield. Number three, it is the current AEW international champion, John Moxley. At number two, to the surprise of many, it is the WWE universal champion, Roman Reigns. Number one is the WWE world heavyweight champion, Seth Rollins. This is a pretty amazing list, to say the least. Some other interesting notables. The IWGP World Heavyweight Champion Sonata is at 11. Note that he is lower than Kazuchika Okada at number 7. The ROH World Champion Claudio Castagnoli is at number 12. The NXT Champion Carmelo Hayes is at number 13. By the way, Carmelo Hayes is the highest ranking African American wrestler on this list. Samoa Joe is at number 14. He is the current Ring of Honor World Television Champion. And interestingly enough, at number 15, it's Masha Slamovich, the highest ranking for a woman ever on the PWI 500. Some other popular names, Brian Danielson's at number 16. Will Ospreay's at number 17. Bobby Lashley is at number 19. And Trey Miguel is at number 20. 
Some interesting names in terms of independent wrestlers that you'll want to know. So we look at Matt Cardona, who is at number 31. Alex Kane, the current MLW World Heavyweight Champion, is at number 34. Cruel, the current IWTV World Heavyweight Champion, is at number 81. And then you look at Calvin Tankman at number 95. Some other women on this list include Billy Starks at number 96, Ali Catch at number 135, The Dark Sheik at number 184, Jody Threat from Impact at number 215, and the NWA World Women's Champion, that being Kenzie Page, is at number 245. In terms of African-American wrestlers, Carmelo Hayes is at number 13, Bobby Lashley at number 19, Trey Miguel at number 20, Alex Kane at number 34, Ricky Starks at number 43, Powerhouse Hobbs at number 59, Wes Lee at number 66, Trish Adora at number 82, Calvin Tankman at number 95, and Michael Oku at number 97. Lots of thoughts floating around about this list. I'd love to get your thoughts as well on the PWI 500 list for the year 2023 with that said we're going to get out of here hope you enjoy the rest of your day your weekend or wherever in the world you are whenever you hear this i'm looking forward to bringing you some more regular content here as part of the faction if there is anything you'd like for us to discuss hit us up on this post or feel free to send us a dm and we'll either cover it in video form or in full podcast as well Until next time, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, the EP, John Murray. I am Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction.